Good morning. My name is Spencer Bros. I'm the lead pastor here at St. Stephen's, and it is a blessing to be with you this morning. Uh, last week, which was a, a mistake, has turned into perhaps a change, moving our offering time to after, not offering time, no, yeah, no, the prayer time, <laughs> thank you, uh, our prayer time to after the sermon um, in, uh, rather than before it. So we're going to try it out for a little while. We liked how it went, and uh, we're just going to go that way. Just a little behind-the-scenes stuff. Um, when things change, I uh, just thought I'd share. This week, as we continue our series about living out what it means to be God's people, we turn once again to Mark's gospel, uh, again to chapter one even. It's a very long chapter, actually. And we're going to pick up at verse 14. Now after John, this is John the baptizer, was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee proclaiming the good news of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. As Jesus passed along the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me and I will make you fish for people. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. As he went a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, who were in their boat, mending the nets. Immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. The word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. It's interesting how well a child can pick out their mother's voice. Now, I don't say about how they respond to it, but it's interesting how well they can hear it. Science tells us that children know their mother's voice before they know any others. Part of it because by the third trimester in utero, they're starting to hear things. And even though the mother's voice is muffled, they start to recognize a cadence or a or some facet of the mom's voice. And so after they start to grow and move around and hear their mother call, there, there's, a, there's an internal connection. When a child identifies, not just identifies the owner of the voice, but identifies with the voice. I don't know about you, but as I was growing up, that call, usually, that uh, voice usually had a call to action in it. Whether it was in a crowd or somewhere in the house. Get in here. Get ready for whatever. Get your homework done. Do your chores. All the things. Had a call to action. And it connects. You feel connected to the one who calls you in that moment, and then it's up to us whether or not we want to respond. There, I, there was not a lot of option in that growing up, but God gives us options. And this is a lot how God connects with us. 
As we heard earlier, as we were exploring Mark's gospel and Jesus' own baptism, there's a recognition in the voice of God, an identity of who Jesus is, and we connect to that identity, and we connect to the, to the family of God, remembering who we are through our baptism. And then there's this call, there's a voice that we, that we identify with just as much as we identify, and that call reaches out to us, and we have to listen for it. And that call brings with it a, a call to action, an opportunity to respond. And that's where we are today. As we talk about and explore what it means to be people, to be God's people, to be people of God, responding to that call in our lives. There are times in my preparation for preaching that I get a change of what I feel like I'm supposed to say really close to when I do it. And yesterday was a wonderful district training event which enticed me to do that, but I'm not gonna. I'm just gonna save it for later. And it's all what Pastor Meany just called on, uh, taught on with the children's message about being fishers of people, what, what it means to do that. But this morning I'm going to talk about our response, our initial response, or our next step response to God's call in our lives. We'll talk a little bit, we'll talk later about how we are fishers of folks, but that'll be later. As we come to this text today, we encounter the gospel of Mark's urgency. If, you, if we haven't done it in the first 13 verses, we definitely catch it here. Mark, you're probably aware, is the, is the shortest of the gospels. If you've got an hour, you could read through Mark's gospel, maybe an hour and a half. But he tells the most stories of any of the other gospel writers, but he tells things so much um, quicker. He uses fewer words. And one of the other ways in which he propels the urgency of his gospel is with that word immediately. And we see it twice in this, in this scripture passage. I could still hear a seminary professor saying, hine, that's it in Greek. That's all I got. But hine, hine, immediately, immediately, immediately. Jesus' is a, mission is urgent. And you feel it in how Mark shares his good news of Jesus Christ. Gospel means good news. You feel it in the way he writes, and you really feel it when you do sit down and read more than just a few verses at a time. In today's text, we see it in Jesus' urgency to call the disciples. Immediately, he calls them. But we also feel it again and the disciples' response. And they left their dad in the boat. That's pretty quick. And that tells me more about the disciples than it does about Jesus. I don't think what Jesus said to them put some kind of spell over them and they were compelled to follow. What it tells me is that these disciples were anticipating. They were 
waiting for something. Their faith journey was at a place where they knew there was a next thing, and Jesus showed them what it was. So they were, they were ready, even before Jesus ever showed up at the lakeside. Part of who we are as people of faith is being prepared always for what God has in store for us for next. And the next isn't always a huge big thing like leaving your dad standing in the boat with the hired hands. I don't recommend doing that off the cuff. Sometimes it's a small thing, but being ready means being connected to who God is and to who we are as God's people. It goes back to that that identity of remembering who we are as followers of Jesus Christ. And the more time we spend with God as we connect with our identity as followers of Jesus, the more we recognize his voice. Not the audible thing happens for some folks, has never happened for me. But to recognize when God is reaching out to us and speaking to us. And as we are faithful and as we pay attention and as we are growing in our faith, when we do hear a call of whatever form that may come, we're already ready. At least spiritually speaking. But that's not always the case. We're not always ready and it's not always our fault. Sometimes, well, there's just a lot of stuff that gets in the way. The first thing I thought of as I was thinking about where are the challenges to responding to God's call, it's what I think of and I've heard called by others analysis paralysis, right? We start thinking of all the what ifs, what all the ne- what, but, but, but all these things. And we spin as we analyze and we're not going anywhere. Or we're afraid, as the source band sang about. But we don't have to be afraid, but we get afraid. We get afraid of the unknown. We get afraid of, of rejection. We get afraid of all kinds of things, uncertainties. And then there are our competing priorities. We have all these other responsibilities in our lives that cause us to hesitate. And we're not alone. We even see it in some of the champions of Scripture. Abraham and Sarah's story, while Abraham responds immediately when God says, go to this place, I'm going to show you and leave everything that you know behind. And I don't know how that conversation went with Sarah, but she went. But we do know when when God sends the messengers to come and tell them that they're going to expect a child after being barren for decades, past even uh, into grandparent years, she laughs at it. Can't be. Not going to happen. But when Isaac comes along, she lives into fulfilling God's promise in her and in her family. Moses, who leads the people of of Israel out of the promised land, makes every excuse he could possibly come up with at the burning bush of why he shouldn't go back to Egypt and talk to the Pharaoh. 
Eventually he does. God gives him tools, tools that he doesn't have. He gives him his brother to be his mouthpiece, to speak for him. He didn't talk like Charlton Heston did with great eloquence in the movie. It's really, it's really not accurate scripturally. It's a good movie, but it's not really scripturally accurate. Moses has some kind of speech impediment. We don't know exactly what it is, so he sends Aaron with him. Gideon is the one who's, who, wants, uh, who doubted God's ability to save Israel from the Midianites, so he, he puts out the, the fleece and said, God, if you make the ground wet but not the fleece, or, and then he, he flips it around. I, I always reverse the order when it happens. Okay, if you, you've made the ground wet but not the fleece, now what? Make the fleece wet and not the ground. He's testing God. Probably the most famous example is Jonah, right? For me, that's the first one I think of, is Jonah. Jonah's been a prophet of God, and God says, go to Nineveh, and Jonah goes the other direction entirely, but eventually goes up. There's a whole thing in that story there. He still does it. He still doesn't like it, but he does what God calls him to. And there's more. We read stories. We read the, the, the call of the first disciples, and we think, man, I could never do that. And we might get caught up in it or held back altogether, but there are other places in Scripture where people have been called to do things, and they're like, nope, not me, not now, hold up. But eventually they live into the call that God has placed into their lives, overcoming fears and competing priorities or even Paralysis by analysis. And as we live into responding to God's call in our lives, whatever that may be, and we'll talk a little bit about that, but not too much. But I want to talk about the blessings when we do respond. Because how that, what that response looks like is going to look different in almost everybody, depending on where you are in your faith journey. In the, in the gifts and skills that God has given you opportunity to put to use. But let's first talk about the blessings and response. Blessings for ourselves. When we respond to God's call on our lives, whatever that looks like, we grow spiritually. Because in that call, what happened with every one of those biblical figures is that they didn't wait to get all the tools. They didn't wait for all their questions to get answered. They eventually trusted God for the next stuff. And when we lean into responding on God's call in our lives, we ultimately do so trusting God. And when we trust God beyond our ability to take care of our own stuff, we always grow. And when we take our faith, our belief, and put it into action, it leads to transformation. The study uh, that we're doing after worship, after 11 o'clock worship for the next several weeks. A disciple's path even makes that equa an equation. Belief plus action equals transformation. It's not just a changing of our mind. It's not just a changing of our hearts. It's a changing of our whole being. Putting our belief into action together leads to a transformation in what Paul would call a new creation. It's not just a, a, a different level. We're a whole, we become a whole new being as we live into the 
fullness of who God has created and called us to be of the call that God has placed in our lives in response to that. But not only do we experience blessings for ourselves, more importantly, there are blessings for others. One, inspiration. There are people sitting around us that they don't think they can do something, and we live into a call that God has placed in our lives, and they go, wait, <laughs> I know people, if he could do that, or just an encouragement of somebody to walk alongside them and know that taking the next step, yeah, it's scary, but there's, there's life and there are blessings on the other side. Sometimes when we respond to God's call in our lives, it's a, it's a means to a change, not just a change in our lives, not just a change in our immediate circle. Sometimes it gets bigger in the community, in our organization, in our church. Responding call also builds community. Usually when one person follows a call, well, always when one person follows a call, there's more people involved. And God knows that. God's aware of the other people in your life when, you're following, when, you're, when he calls you to a thing or he's calling you to something. And there's people that come alongside you. And then as you reach out into that call, you're developing a, or building a group of people, community, and a sense of common purpose. In a few weeks, we'll talk about that response in terms of service and outreach. But we can see that even in the lives of some historical figures, um, particularly in Christian history. In the last, we'll just, just go back the last 300 years, and we're not going to get every person in the last 300 years, but just a handful of folks. We're going to start with John Wesley. John Wesley, by occupation, was a priest, but he wasn't really sure of his vocation, his calling, and what that meant to be. But as the Holy Spirit got a hold of him, it became clear to him that he was to go and to take faith to the people who wouldn't come into the buildings because they were too nice and too pretty and they didn't feel welcome there. He preached in the fields. He preached at the mines. He, as we were reminded yesterday, he said he committed to be more vile in sharing the gospel. Vile meant preaching outside of the church. It's nothing more than that. And John Wesley's life led to the development of the, to the, this denomination and many others, extent to the Wesleyan faith. But even more than that, Wesley's life and teaching and preaching about personal holiness and societal um, uh, justice, in addition to making worship accessible, led others to do wonderful and amazing things in response to the face, but also in face of challenges in society, William Wilberforce was a contemporary. Well, he was, he was quite a bit younger, actually, but he was influenced by Wesley's teaching against the slave trade. And he, he had been a slave trader and became a, uh, a devout Christian, eventually a, a British politician who was instrumental in the abolition of the slave trade in the British Empire. They ended that part of the slave trade. In 1833, and that was the year he, he died. I, don't, I think he died right before it passed, actually. Harriet Tubman was born into slavery, but she felt caught, called by God to not only escape it herself, but to lead others to do the same. A key figure in the Underground Railroad, risking her life many, many times for the freedom of slaves. Dietrich Bonhoeffer may be a name that you recognize. He was a German pastor and theologian. He's a vocal critic of the Nazi regime, staunch opposition to Hitler's dictatorship, but through his Christian faith and conviction, 
led to his imprisonment and eventual execution. But his writings and actions continue to be a powerful witness of responding to God's call in our lives. You also know many of these examples of people who are responding to God's call in your lives, in your midst, in your families, in the community, and in our church. One of the things that happens annually in the life of this church is our women's ministry. It highlights individuals who have responded to God's call in different ways. In the past, they've presented those awards in the, in the midst of our worship service, but this year they had a ceremony following the 11 o'clock service last week. We're going to take this opportunity to highlight this year's recipients who have indeed responded to God's call. So these are called the Outstanding Mission Awards. First, Jeremy Camargo. I saw Jeremy earlier. She's probably out there welcoming people in his part. You can see all the different things that she's is and has been a part of in the life of the church, responding to God's call upon her life. And we give thanks for her ministry and witness among us, living it out in meaningful ways. She's right back there. And then next, they recognize two, and, and the other is Ruth Porter. And I know I just saw Ruth. Ruth is here with us. And you can see all, all the different ways in which she has and continues to live out her faith, to respond to God's call on her life. And the last slide is their promo slide, to come and join them. If you, Pastor Minu and I, I don't even know how we call it. Are we, we're not, are we United Women? Are we United Women in Faith? Anyway, as clergy, we are automatically members of this. We are, for years we would say we were United Methodist Women, and people are like, I don't understand. It's a different time, and it didn't make sense. And we're still members of that, but there are many among us, and, and we are thankful for them. I, I do want to ask, are there any previous... Um, award recipients with us. If you would stand, Ruth stood like three inches up off the bench. So even if you just do that, just so we can see people who are responding. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your ministry and responding to God's call in your lives. And, and now I'd like to ask any who are participant in our women's ministry, and I, and I'm, and I default to women's ministry now because I never know which letters to use. So our women, if you're a part of our women's ministry, would you please stand so we can see you and recognize you and thank you for your ministry. Thank you. We're surrounded by people who are responding to God's call in our lives. And what might that response look like? It can look like many different things. And I won't get into any specifics, but the nature of your call will change what it looks like. Where you are in your faith journey, your maturity in faith, the gifts that God has given you, the skills that you have picked up, with the tools that you bring to your call. Perhaps it's an initial call and a call to follow Maybe your next step is, is baptism. 
becoming uh, a member of the church, maybe a, a confirmation if you're a youth. But if you feel like there's a next step in your life and you have not yet received the sacrament of baptism, please reach out to Pastor Minu or me, and we'd love to talk to you about that. Perhaps you've already taken that first step, but now it's time to consider the next one. And there are a whole host of ways to respond to how God's calling you in uh, calling what respond to God's calling in your life, both within the church and outside of it. And some of you are already doing it. You're fully into responding to God's call in your lives. My encouragement to you is to not get comfortable in that response. Don't settle for where you are now if God is calling you to more. The main thing to remember is that when God calls, God equips us for that response. As we remember who we are as his, as we spend time with God, recognizing his voice, growing closer to his son, giving ourselves over more to the Holy Spirit, we'll be ready. But if we're not ready, when the call comes, God will continue to prepare us and we will respond when the time is right. But the important part is to respond. And respond knowing that God goes with us in that response. He doesn't leave us to do it ourselves. It's part of what Pastor Minu, well, I'm not going to put words in your mouth, but when you said, when we're fishers of folks, fishers of people, we do the work and we, we do the initial inviting, but God does the rest. That's God's work. We respond to the call and trusting God to do the work alongside us. And wherever we are in our faith journey, to know that God is with us, that he loves us very much, and he continues to call us to himself so that he can send us out into the world. Amen.